Today we continue in the Spiritually Strong message series. I'm so glad you're here to be a part of this. We've been looking at what it means to be spiritually strong in our lives. The Bible also uses the word holy, that we are set apart from the world, that we're different, that we should be like Jesus in what we say, think, do, and feel, and that God meets us where we are and helps us become something more. That's called transformation. God meets us where we are, helps us become something more, helps us become better in our lives, living life to the full, living fuller lives. And so the more that we become like Christ, the more our lives are full. And we are grateful to God for walking us through this process. We've talked about how God plays a major role in this process and that we also play a role that we need to cooperate with God, that we have entered into a lifelong relationship with God in which we are both investing in the relationship. God's investing in the relationship. We are investing in the relationship. And that with God, we improve ourselves, but we don't prove ourselves to God. We don't have to earn God's love. We don't have to earn God's forgiveness. We don't have to earn life to the full. God's ready to give all of that to us because God sees us as priceless. Last week, just want to thank Pastor Lindsay for delivering such a powerful word from God as she taught us that spiritually strong people see ourselves and others clearly. And if you missed that message, I invite you to go back on our website later this week and to check it out because God spoke very powerfully through Pastor Lindsay. I'm glad to be back today to continue this discussion with you about what it looks like to be spiritually strong in our lives. This past week, I was again out exercising in my neighborhood and and just enjoying the time outside with God, enjoying the time just uh, you know, exercising and being out of doors, uh, getting away from the cabin fever that we all kind of have with the pandemic. And of course, walking through the neighborhood, seeing neighbors and observing what's going on. And I had to kind of chuckle as I passed by one of the houses that just put the in-ground pool in, into their backyard, which I mentioned in a previous message. Well, Next door to them, uh, I saw that there was a medical van parked in the driveway, and it said on it that it was medical transportation. It had uh, a painting of one of the cancer pink bows, and then outside of the, the pink cancer bow were like these pink angel wings. And this is a home where uh, an elderly married couple lives in our neighborhood. We don't know them very well. It's on a different street than the street that we live on. But we've seen them around the neighborhood from time to time over the, the past several years. And it was really, you know, sad to see that, that medical van ready to transport one of my neighbors. And as I was walking back by, uh, the husband was wheeling out his wife in a wheelchair. And she evidently is struggling with cancer. And he helped... The driver, you know, get her onto the the lift and got the wheelchair into the into the van, and then I saw him get into his vehicle uh, with what looked like you know overnight bag to follow them to I guess the hospital or a, a medical facility, and a lot of emotions when I was observing this, uh, and my heart just went out to them. They are in a battle. They're in a battle probably for her life dealing with cancer, and I'm guessing that some days they just don't feel very strong in their lives. That it must be a, a struggle, must be a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety of, of dealing with cancer and, and possibly the loss of life. Um, and so I just begin to say a prayer for my neighbors. I would ask that, that you would say a prayer for my neighbors. Uh, but it just got me to thinking about what do we do when we're supposed to be spiritually strong and we don't feel strong? 
In fact, we don't feel strong at all. We don't feel that we're strong enough to make the right moral decisions, even though that we want to do that and God wants us to do that. We're not strong enough to get out of bed some days because of stress and anxiety. Uh, we're not strong enough to face what's going on in our lives. Maybe we're having financial struggles. Maybe we're dealing with bullies in, in our relationships in our neighborhood, maybe even in our own families. Maybe our relationships are just in trouble and we, we don't feel strong enough to face them. Maybe we're battling a disease or an illness a lot of things in our life beat us down, and it's hard to feel strong some days. And as we think about being spiritually strong, as, as spiritually strong people, how do we deal with those times, those days in our lives where we're anything but? Are we failures? Are we, are we not spiritual enough? Are we not good enough? What's going on in our life when some days we just can't do it? We just don't have the strength to live our lives, to deal with whatever it is that's going on in our life. What do we do then when we are far from feeling strong, let alone spiritually strong? Well, if you're in a place like that, if you're, if you're in a place of weakness or you've been in that place and you know what I'm talking about, the hard to get out of bed, hard to face what's going on, just don't know how we're going to get through the day, really struggling with the concept of having any strength whatsoever, you're in the right place today. And I've got good news that God gives us hope even when we are so far from feeling strong that we just don't know how to deal with it. God has good news for us today. And we're going to find that in the New Testament. We're going to be looking into the story of a man named Paul who was a first century pastor in the Mediterranean area of the world. And uh, Paul used to be uh, a Jewish person who was against Christianity. And he would arrest Christians, and he would even have them killed and, until he had a, a direct encounter with Jesus, and he gave his life to Christ. And, and now he is a Christian pastor in the first century, and he's doing all he can to help other people understand who Jesus is. And he starts lots of churches, and he pastors those churches. And when he's not with the people at the churches, and as he's off starting other churches, he's writing letters to his churches and God's churches, all that kind of good stuff, and just encouraging them. And trying to help them sort through problems. And most of Paul's writings will become what we know now as the New Testament, the you know part of the Bible itself, the Word of God. And so Paul's a very important person, and he does amazing things, and he really helps the Christian church get off the ground floor and get going. And so you know, Paul's just this powerful spiritual person. But we're going to find out that Paul also has some of the same feelings that we do when it comes to feeling weak and not strong enough, not good enough to, to make it in the world. And so today I hope you will find comfort, just like I do, in Paul's story. And we're going we're gonna to pick up the part of the story here where Paul is talking about boasting, bragging. And he's trying to say that it's probably not a great idea to be boasting uh, about being spiritual people. And you've got to understand that Paul would have had a lot to brag about. He'd have a lot to boast about. He started all these churches. He's writing all these letters. I don't think he knows it's going to become the New Testament yet, but he's, he's a successful pastor, and he's changing lives. And on top of that, he is granted these spiritual visions of heaven, and he's just written about one of those in, in the letter that we're getting ready to read. And, and Paul's accomplished all these things, but he says, you know, I, I could boast in all of that, but I would be foolish. Because it's not me, ultimately, that made that happen. It's God that made that happen. And we're going to see right now Paul's honesty about what it looks like for Paul, even though he's done all these great things, that in the midst of that, he feels weak. 
and that he considers that actually something that's a good thing. So let's jump into the story of Paul, and let's read this. And it, I'm just going to warn you, it's challenging. Uh, it's hard to understand in some ways, and it, it will challenge us, I think. It challenges me, and, and even in trying to interpret it for you today. Uh, but let's just let's trust the Holy Spirit and see where God leads us. This is Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, which is in Greece now. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What's going on here in this passage where Paul says that when he is weak, he is strong? That's not what we're used to in 21st century America. What exactly is, is Paul talking about? Well, he begins by talking about how he has been given a thorn in the flesh to keep him from becoming conceited. Well, what's the thorn in the flesh? Is that really like a, a thorn off a rose bush or something? A lot of scholars believe that what Paul's talking about is some kind of a physical ailment, some kind of a, a physical disease, something like that. And it might have something to do with his vision or his eyesight, but that Paul most likely had this ailment for at least 14 years of his ministry. And so he's been given this to help him from becoming conceited, to keep him humble. Because if anyone's going to get a big head, it could be Paul because of all that he's doing for God. He's met Jesus directly. He started all these churches. He's writing all these letters that are going to become the New Testament. Uh, he's been granted visions of heaven. And so it'd be easy for Paul's ego to become inflated. And so he's been given this thorn in the flesh to keep him from becoming conceited. And he says it's the messenger of Satan. So the question is, you know, who sent the thorn in the flesh? Uh, because who would benefit from Paul remaining humble? Probably not the devil. The devil probably would want Paul to be uh, and have a big ego, to be conceited, to have a lot of pride, because the devil can use those things to turn against us and, and, and mess things up. So in the biblical commentary that I was reading, it said that ultimately... Uh, this commentator believes that God was the one behind this, that Paul believes God was the one who had allowed this or caused this to happen to keep Paul's ego in check and, and help to make sure that he was not conceited. Now, whether God was the primary mover in this or whether God allowed it to happen, uh, it happened to Paul, and he, he sees it as a way for him to stay grounded, to stay level, and and we, we wrestle with that, right? Because is that the way that that God still works today. And I really liked what Pastor Lindsay had to say last week uh, about how the bad things that happen to us, we really don't believe God's doing that in our lives. And so I think we got to consider this as a you know special and, and a unique situation in Paul's life. But ultimately, what's going on in this scripture? Well, let's talk about what's not going on. I think, you know, one thing that's not happening is that is Paul's not some kind of a spiritual masochist that's just looking for any way to suffer, that because he, he thinks that suffering is a gateway to God, and so the more you suffer, the more you're going to get in connection to God. That's not what Paul's doing. He, he's complaining about the thorn in the flesh. He, 
He's prayed to God to remove it from him multiple times, and it's just not going to happen. So Paul's, you know, begun to to realize that my life's going to just include this for a while. But Paul, he's not going out looking to suffer just to suffer. It's not, you know, some universal call that we should all look for suffering so that we can grow closer to God. Paul doesn't want it. He, he wants to avoid this, this thorn in the flesh. He's prayed for it to be removed from him. Uh, and again, I think with Paul, I think what's what's going on here is that Whatever's going on with the thorn of the flesh, it's a unique prescription for Paul not to become conceited. I don't think that that's the prescription for you. I don't think it's the prescription for me. Just, just like I said, you know, looking back again to Pastor Lindsay's sermon last week and just you know, thinking theologically in our lives, I don't think God calls us the bad things to happen in our lives. And maybe in this case with Paul, God caused it, or maybe God just allowed it uh, to, to let Paul be, you know, not become conceited. I just don't know that that's God's prescription for you, and I don't think that's God's prescription for me. I think another thing that's not happening right now in the passage of Paul is it, it reminds us sometimes that you know bad stuff does happen, and that uh, the power of positive thinking is not going to get us through everything. Right? Sometimes just tough things happen, and a Pollyanna attitude can can be helpful at sometimes, but sometimes. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes we just have to face reality. Paul's facing a, a difficult situation right now. Sometimes we just find ourselves in situations where we feel weak. So what is happening in this passage? What is Paul trying to teach us? What's God trying to teach us about being spiritually strong by becoming weak? Because that just seems so counter cultural, counterintuitive to, to what we believe. So what exactly is, is going on here? I think it, it gives us hope when we, we, like Paul, feel weak, when we're having a hard time in life, when we're going through hardships, when we're facing insults or uncertainties or even you know, medical pain, physical pain, that when we, when we feel weak, that God can bring something good from that. Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, that my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? When we think about that, that's that's really hard to get our minds around, but but what's going on here is uh, is God is working through Paul's weakness. How do you think that Paul was able to be converted from someone who was persecuting the church to someone who is now the biggest cheerleader for Jesus? How how do you think that Paul was able to start all of those churches? How do you think Paul was able to continue to write letters and? and shepherd those churches and care for those churches, going through all kinds of ups and downs uh, through the ministry, especially being geographically distant from a lot of those churches. How do you think uh, Paul was able to you know, write all of those letters that are going to become the New Testament? How was Paul able to have the strength to be arrested several times and to be beaten and, and to be tortured and even shipwrecked and even got snake bitten? I mean, Paul had all those terrible things happen to him in trying to do things for Jesus. How do you think Paul was able to accomplish that? How do you think Paul was able to stand uh, up and to receive right, death because of his faith? How does Paul have the strength and the ability to do all of those things? Well, I think the short answer is Paul doesn't have the strength. Paul didn't have the strength to do that. The only way that Paul could do that was through the power of God. That in his weakness, it opens himself up 
to the power of God. God, I, I can't start all those churches. I can't write all these letters. I, I can't go to prison. I can't get all these beatings. I, I can't face martyrdom. I can't do all of that on my own, God. I need some help. I need you. And, and so I think what's happening is that Paul's weakness becomes the place for God's power. Paul's weakness becomes the place for God's power. Paul can't carry on. Paul can't do it by himself. Paul doesn't have the strength to get through day after day of all that he's doing without the power of God. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. My grace, my unmerited favor for you is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your weakness Where you are weak, I am strong. Where you are weak, I can come in and give you the strength that you need. And I think that's a hopeful message for all of us who just don't feel strong enough. We don't feel spiritually strong. We don't feel morally strong. We don't feel that we can even make it through the day. We, like Paul, are weak, and our weakness becomes the place for God's power to become uh, part of our life and to be put on display. And then, amazingly enough, is Paul's attitude. I want to read that to you one more time, just his reaction to this. This is what Paul says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. If I'm going to brag, I'm going to say, it's so awesome that I'm weak because Christ's power now can be manifest in me. It's great that I'm weak because now God can do mighty things through me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Now, Paul doesn't like to be insulted or go through hardships or persecutions or difficulties just for for the heck of it, right? I don't think it brings him joy on his own. I think he can say, I delight in that because when I am weak, then I'm strong. The joy comes from God stepping in and giving Paul the strength that he needs, the strength to face the insults, the strength to face the hardships, the strength to face the difficulties. That's where the joy is. As, as we think about God's glory, I think God is most glorified. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in God. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in God. Right? Paul is satisfied. He's like, God, these are tough situations, but all I need is you, and you will get me through this. You will give me the strength that I need. You will give me the strength to push forward through these insults, through these hardships, through these difficulties, right? Through my own stumbling, you will give me the strength to move forward. And God, I delight in you because you give me that strength. And so if if you're in a weak spot, if you're in a tough spot, then think about Paul because This is not just for Paul in the first century. I think it's for all of us. In our weakness, God's strength can come and show us the way. Our weakness provides a place for God's power. So what? What's the point? What's the big idea today? This is kind of tricky. It is kind of hard to understand. It is counter-cultural. It's counter-intuitive to what we've been taught and and growing up to think about strength and weakness. This is what I think is going on here. Spiritually strong people find strength in weakness. Spiritually strong people find strength in weakness. When we are weak, it gives God an avenue to show God's strength. Spiritually strong people find strength in weakness. And so, you know, as we think about, well, how do we apply that to our lives? How, what does that look like in our own lives? I, just, I would just think, if you're in a tough spot right now, if you're in a weak spot, if you're feeling weak, 
If you're dealing with difficulties or hardships or insults or, or just uncertainty or lack of confidence or physical pain or spiritual or, or relational pain, right? if, if you're in a weak spot, then look for God to give you strength. Look for God's strength to come into your life. Call out to God and say, God, I'm in a tough spot. I'm in a weak spot. Come into my life like you came into Paul's life. God, display your strength. Put it on display. Through my weakness, may your strength come and may it shine. Now, I'll give you a few examples of this. Real life examples of, of people that I've known, even people in our church specifically, in the past and also right now in the present. I, I think about people uh, who I know and, and, and who, I, who I know right now in our church who are battling illnesses and diseases. And some of them don't know if they're going to uh, be able to be cured of these illnesses. And there's days where it's just hard to get out of bed physically. It's hard to get out of bed, you know, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically. And it, it would be easy to give up. It'd be easy to wallow in our, in our sorrow. And sometimes we need to take that moment and just be sad, to be upset, to be mad. But, but people, they just keep coming and say, Pastor Kyle, right, I'm in a bad spot. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know how to get out of bed sometimes. I don't know if I can go to the doctor. I don't know if I can keep, you know, going on without any hope that there might be a cure. But, you know, when I trust God, God gives me the strength that I need. God gives me the strength that I need to, to get out of bed, to go forward through my day. And, and those days that I just, I don't think that I'm going to make it, God gives me the strength and gets me through. Think about those of you who have lost jobs and are unemployed or, or struggling financially. And you, you don't know what the future holds. You don't know how you're going to pay, you know, to support your family. You don't know how to make ends meet. And, and sometimes it's hard and it's difficult. Right? But time and time again, so many of you come and said, you know, Pastor God, I just never knew how I'm going to make it. But somehow God gets me through. God gets me through the day. God gets me to the next interview. You know, God gets me through. Right? I, I, I knew a pastor who was facing surgery. And he was facing the possibility of you know, losing the use of his legs. And right before he's going into surgery, he told his father, he said, you know what, Dad, I'm scared, but I can serve God just as well in a wheelchair as I can serve God standing on my legs, right? Wow. In his weakness, he leaned on the strength of God. In his weakness, he, he leans on the strength of God. I'm praying for my neighbors. Right? The, the man who's wheeling his wife into the medical van with, with cancer. I'm praying that they find the strength of Jesus, that in their moments of, of weakness, that, that they can find the comfort that God brings and the strength that God brings. Whether or not there's a cure or not for her in her life, that they can rest in the strength of God. And so if you are in a weak spot, if you are in a weak moment, if, if you're there and you just don't know how you can carry on, then call out like Paul did and say, God, make my weakness be a platform for your strength. Give me your strength, Lord, to move forward. And I think God will do that. Because I think that's who God is. I think that's what God does. I think that's, that's the story of Jesus. Jesus left heaven to come to the earth, to become a human being, a fragile human being, while he also kept his divine nature. And, and he came to save us. He came to save us from our guilt and our shame and, and from death and from hell, which is separation from God, to give us life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of, of heaven. And, and the way that he did that doesn't seem very strong to the world, right? How did Jesus accomplish this? He died. He was betrayed. He was accused of something that he didn't do. He was tortured, and then he was nailed to a tree until he suffocated to death, right? 
Is that strength? Is that the sign of a, a Messiah, the sign of a king, the sign of a God? Absolutely not from you in terms. That is ultimate weakness. But through that weakness, Jesus saves the world. Through that weakness, it, it opens up the power of God to resurrect Christ and, and to forgive us and to take away our guilt and shame and to give us life to the full, to give us joy and peace and, and life forever in the kingdom of God. God's power was made manifest in the weakness of Christ. Spiritually strong people, we find strength in weakness. It's our story. It is our story. And if you are in a weak place today, then I would invite you to open your heart to God. I would invite you to, to open your heart to the power of God because we're getting ready to do something that's going to open us up to that power of God. We're going to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion. We're going to celebrate what Jesus did for us on the cross by defeating sin and death and hell. And, and when he came back to life, right through his weakness, the power and the strength of God has set us free. We're going to celebrate that today. And so I'd just like to invite you to prepare your hearts for that. I'm going to have just a moment of silent prayer that, that we can prepare our hearts to reflect upon what we've talked about, to, to examine our own weakness, to ask for the strength of God to come inside of us and, and to prepare our hearts to receive Holy Communion. It'll also be an opportunity for you, if you need to, just grab something small to eat, something small to drink that we're going to use as symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus. And so let's just take this moment of silent prayer to, to prepare for communion, to prepare our hearts to prepare to ask God's strength to be made manifest, to come into existence in reality in our lives through our weakness. Let's just pray about that together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, we celebrate Holy Communion as we remember Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross, opening ourselves to the strength and power of God. It's a special day as it's World Communion Sunday, and so billions of Christians all around the world will be receiving Holy Communion. And what a privilege it is for us to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ to be united. There's so much division in our world right now. What a great way that we have to come as followers of Christ and be united in this holy sacrament, an outward visible sign of what God does for us through God's grace. And so thank you for being here to be a part of that. We're going to be using our litany uh, from our traditional worship service. This is just uh, it's a formal uh, way for us to worship God and I'm going to have a parts to say, you're going to have parts to say, and we're going to do this together so we get to participate in leading this together. Uh, those of you who attend our traditional worship service in person before COVID will know what this is and will appreciate that. And if you've not yet experienced this, you're in for a special treat because this is a great way for us to connect together and to connect with Christians around the world. And so I'd like to invite my wife, Laura, to come and to help me lead this today. And so I'll be reading the leader parts. Laura will be leading you in saying out loud the parts of the people. So let us come with joyful hearts. Let us come with weakness, asking for God's strength as we celebrate Holy Communion today. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you 
with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Let us now sing together this response with our choir. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, O God, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Jesus commissioned us to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth and to make disciples of all nations, and today his family and all the world is joining at his holy table. And on the night that Jesus gave himself up for us, he took bread and he blessed it, and he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. As often as you do this, remember me. And after that, he took a cup of wine, and he gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and drink. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, so that your sins may be forgiven. As often as you do this, remember me. And so, in remembrance of these mighty acts of Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Again, may we sing with the choir. God, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. 
Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. Renew our communion with your church throughout the world and strengthen it in every nation and among every people to witness faithfully in your name. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. And may we sing again with the choir. confidence as children of God, let us pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. To receive Holy Communion, you don't have to be a member of our church. You don't have to be a baptized Christian. This is God's free gift to us. And it's a way of opening ourselves to God to say, God, I'm tired of living my life without you. I'm tired of feeling weak, Lord. I need your strength in my life. God, forgive me of the wrong things that I do. Take my guilt and shame. Give me life to the full. Give me joy. Give me peace. God, give me the strength that I need to move forward in my life and be the person that you have created me to be. And so today, I would invite you to take whatever food that you have that we're celebrating with today. You know, this symbolizes the body of Jesus broken for us. And may we invite God now to be with us as we take this, knowing this is the body of Jesus broken for us. And if you'll take whatever you have to drink and know that this symbolically is the blood of Jesus shed for us. Brothers and sisters, when we are weak, God is strong. When you feel weak, invite yourself to be open to the power of the Holy Spirit because in our weakness, God's strength is perfected. Spiritually strong people find strength in weakness. So in your weakness, may you be on the lookout for God's strength. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.